due to stigma or fear. This can make a challenging situation far more difficult. If possible, staying connected with your loved ones through digital methods is one way to maintain contact. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OECS Commission and UNICEF. The opinions expressed on this TV program by the host, co-host, guest and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates. Good afternoon and welcome to the revolution. It is Friday. I'm hoping everyone is having a good Friday. And those of you who are not having a good Friday, I hope it gets better. Lord knows we could all use some encouragement and hope. It is Friday, June 26, 2020. And it's heading into the weekend. I know for many who have lost track of their body clock and time and space, there used to be payday around this time. Now there's not. There's angry landlords who are... Um, looking for their rent, their banks looking for their mortgage money. There are people in distress all over this country, and every single day people are getting more and more desperate. Speaking of desperation, I do notice a, t- a tonal shift in the budget debate this year compared to the years before, obviously because the government knows this is the last budget before elections, which could be in as little as two months. By August, we could have elections coming and I noticed two things. One was an overly, an, a concerted effort to be overly obsequious towards the Prime Minister. In other words, all of the government MPs were kissing up to Chastney in really fake, um, they seemed to be struggling to kiss up. I would have thought with the amount of ass that they kissed already, that they would have been much better at it. Maybe it's the part where they do it in public, but everybody knows that's what they do. I did wonder whether every, it was just coincidence they all were wearing blue suits or whether that was a Cambridge Analytica thing. Guy Joseph will wear a blue suit from time to time, and so will Stevenson King. But literally all of them were wearing blue suits. And I guess whatever was left of the material, they kind of gave it so that they could make a suit for the cockalorum. But that said, that said, I did notice another trend. The whole thing of the government used to be, up until right now, it used to be a focus on... Papi showing the opposition. You're not irrelevant. You know, it's like Herod. You're not irrelevant. I'm not on this side of the house. That kind of a thing. And that kind of changed. 
It seemed that everybody has been either their scripts are written, they've had some sort of conference call, or they've sat and met. Maybe it's Cambridge Analytica, maybe it's just basic consultancy or strategy. The whole thing now is to attack the leader of the opposition. Now, traditionally, there's nothing new about attacking a leader of the opposition. Same way there's nothing new in attacking a prime minister, especially if you go into election. But with regard to Philip J. Pierre, over time, he's proven to be a difficult person to attack because generally the way that he has conducted himself, there's been a level of transparency. He supplies his documents to the Integrity Commission, and he's not a ferocious person. You know, he may not be, the, like I said, the Winston Churchill or Barack Obama or, or, or Hunter Francois, George Odlum orator, but one of the great things is that he's not exactly a guy who gets mixed up in controversy. It's nice to have somebody that's boring that way, that you know that they get up and they say they're going to do this, they do this, they do that. It was actually a bit sad to hear the house slave mentality of Peter Josie when he said the problem with Philip Pierre is that he's too honest and he doesn't believe the electorate will vote for somebody that's honest. Now, for Peter Josie, whose who's head is so far up Shastny's ass, it's, I mean, when Shastny sits down, you see Josie's head pop out of his mouth, along with Norbert and a couple others. But that said, it's kind of sad because Peter Josie is basically saying that the electorate does not pride, prize or appreciate honesty, and that they literally want another five to ten years of Shastny bullshit in them. Well, we shall see. But I wanted to focus and give everybody so that everybody can see the tactic. Because we are talking politics right now. And notice Herod Stanislaus repeated, and look at the amount of times the whole thing is to go after. The script is, attack Philip J. Pierre. Mr. Speaker, when you listen to the leader of the opposition, nothing has changed for four years. Nothing. The same old tactics. Same chauvinistic commentary, rehashing of the same political rhetoric, the failed policies, Mr. Speaker, fruitless recommendations, and unproductive ideas. He has nothing inspiring, Mr. Speaker, nothing creative or innovative to talk about. In his own words, Mr. Speaker, flashing mirrors. <laughs> I am confident that the people of this country will not fall for his propaganda, mistruths, and misinformation. Mr. Speaker, at this point in time, we need to dissect what this government inherited in 2016 from the members opposite and what our policies have been able to achieve to remedy some of the many maladies which was created by the members opposite when we came into office on June the 6th, 2016, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, first, we need to look at real GDP growth. And now we have to go back to 2011, Mr. Speaker. 2011, when the members opposite assumed office, we had a GDP growth, we had an experience growth of 3%. We left them with an economy that had grown 
by four, sorry, 4.3%, Mr. Speaker. 4.3%. In 2012, economic growth minus 0.1%. In 2013, Mr. Speaker, minus 2.0%. Mr. Speaker, in 2014, there was no drought. There was no financial crisis. There was no fuel at over $140 US a barrel. And there was no COVID-19, Mr. Speaker. All we had in 2014, if my memory serves me well, was the Christmas Eve truck. And growth minus 2.0. 2014, Mr. Speaker, growth of 1.3%. 2015, growth of 0.1%, Mr. Speaker. From 4.3, after four years, 0.1%, on the decline. 2016, Mr. Speaker, we came in June 2016, we did a better job at their budget and managed to get 3.4% economic growth. 3.4%, Mr. Speaker. 2017, under the leadership of the member for Mikud South, growth of 3.5%. 2019, Mr. Speaker, growth of 1.7%. They could have never touched the 1.7, which was our lowest growth rate this year, 2019, because of the shocks of COVID-19, Mr. Speaker. And the economy was already projected to grow to approximately 3.5% in 2019, Mr. Speaker. So when you heard the members opposite, when you heard the leader of the opposition, speak tonight of his economics. These are the numbers, black and white. It is there for everyone to see, everyone to dissect, to compare, and to contrast, Mr. Speaker. We go to unemployment, Mr. Speaker. When we came in office in 2016, unemployment was over 24%, Mr. Speaker. In 2019, unemployment, 16.8%, Mr. Speaker. These are the facts. And it is shameful, Mr. Speaker, that the leader of the opposition could stand in this honorable house tonight and make a dangerous statement to say that members on the governing side are laughing at persons who have lost their jobs because of COVID-19, Mr. Speaker. That's a dangerous and shameful statement. And the leader of the opposition needs to take that statement back, Mr. Speaker. Because we on this side emphasize with every single person who have lost their job as a result of COVID-19, Mr. Speaker. And we have a caring Prime Minister, a caring Minister of Finance, and members on this team who are doing everything to help every single St. Lucian recover from the damages, the ravages of COVID-19, Mr. Speaker. But Mr. Speaker, in an attempt for him to score cheap political points, he, uh, he needs to say something to attempt 
to mislead the population that we are on this side of the house laughing at everybody out there. Shame on you, leader of the opposition. So I want to deal with cheap political points and Herod saying that he empathized, or this government, the prime minister, and he and the cabinet empathize with all of the people who have been affected by COVID. So Herod, instead of giving stimulus for COVID, you are giving people Herod t-shirts and Herod masks when they're in economic distress. Okay. Then, and I'm sorry, San Lucia, there are some words and some pronunciations you can say, well, if you live in a different part of the world, you might have an accent, a Swedish accent, a Norwegian accent, a Russian accent when you speak English, a, a Spanish accent or Hispanic accent when you speak English, or African accent. I don't understand. What is economics? Economics. I don't, I, I'm sorry. And even the other one there, chauvinistic. Where have you ever heard a pronunciation chauvinistic? What is that? Anyway, maybe it's just me. So they're taking... The Kenny Anthony left 2016, 3.4 um, GDP economic growth and saying that that is Shastney's. So you come in in June the 6th, you take the same budget, keep the same budget and programs that are already in place. And even if you didn't keep them, the point is the first half of the year and the budget was passed by that administration. So it comes under Kenny Anthony's administration, but that's okay. Then y'all are boasting and banging the table for reduced growth. So you go from 3.6 to 2.8. So that means Kenny left you at 3.45 around them. You are banging the table to go from 3.4 to down to 2.8. Then down to 1.7. That making sense? Then you turn around and this is the biggest one. They say 16% unemployment. And you know, I'm very happy I had... The gentleman from statistics on my show when I was on, when I was on choice, I had him on twice. And the gentleman stated that one quarter does not a trend make. If you have one good quarter with any statistic, you have to wait for three quarters, as in January, February, March, and one quarter, next quarter, next quarter. And, when you've, and you've had three quarters of the year pass, then you can say it's a trend. And if it happened for a year, four quarters, then you can claim it. The government has a reduced pool of people so that, as I said up to yesterday, if you have 10,000 people getting a job out of 100,000 people, it will not show up as a big reduction as if you have 10,000 people out of 50,000 people. St. Lucians have left to go and work in Dominica, particularly in construction, in Tortola, in Canada, and a number of other islands um, in the region, as well as extra-regional internationally. That's part one. This fantastic 16%, or 17% it was, I don't know how they reached 16, was for one quarter. That was when St. Lucia celebrated the 40th anniversary of independence. And that was the exact quarter from January to March, where the government spent, instead of spending 300000 which is the budget, they spent $4 million on independence. So a lot of temporary jobs were created, painting the sidewalks, cleaning, hanging flags with buffalo and all the rest of that, all the performances and so on, the fireworks, all of these things registered so that people got that one artificial boost of temporary employment. Simple as that. 
Simple as that for St. Lucia's 40th independence anniversary. Outside of that, anemic, anemic performance. And it's for one quarter, for literally one quarter. But again, they'll claim it. So do not believe unemployment is down to 16% nationally, or it ever was. But on, on the same people will tell you 16. When you hear Kanisha and them, they tell you it's down to 20. They will never tell you that under the Stevenson King administration. And I played Sir John's clip. Sir John claimed that Kenny, not, not Kenny Anthony Labour Party. Sir John claimed that Kenny Anthony left unemployment under 13% in 2006. Sir John passed 2007. Stevenson King took over. And unemployment mushroomed from 13% all the way up to 25%. The Labour Party came in, got it down to about 20-30%, trying to avoid the IMF. And yes, it did go back up to about 23 to 24%. That is true. No problem. But don't tell you that you come in there, you have people running for the hills, and then after they leave the country, you do a little artificial stimulus for independence, and then you're trying to stretch that out as if that is the... That. In fact, solutions you knew before COVID and you know now, nothing here running. The government cannot show more than 20% project implementation for the entire five years. Four years, sorry, because they're going in their fifth now, if they make it. But did you count the amount of times it wasn't an attack on the Labour Party or the usual Kenny, 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 Kenny? There wasn't the Sean Edwards or the Alva Baptiste and Aviation or Musa Jabatis and Viewfort and No, no, no. It was all boom. Philip J. Pierre. Boom, Philip J. Pierre. Boom, Philip J. Pierre. Which, personally, I like. Because at the end of the day, I believe that his track record will stand the test of time. But their main source of attack, because they're looking for something, they have to find something, is the comfort station in the Marsha Boulevard. According to Mayor of Castries, Peter St. Francis, there is no malicious intent in the closure of the comfort station located in the George Charles Boulevard. The Mayor of Castries says the facility had steadily declined due to staff discomfort with servicing the station located in what has been described as a rough neighborhood. Francis believes the concept of a comfort station was misguided and robs residents of their dignity. It's degrading. You know what I mean? You can't do better, yes. But it's degrading for you to live in your home, go into a facility, everybody's seeing you, have your children, you have it, and what time of the night you could, you, you, you know, you could go there. So it's, 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 a, it's a very, very, very tickly situation. But we, we, we're not victimizing anybody. We're not trying to make anybody lose their seat. It's not we. I don't vote. It's these people. Francis dismissed the notion of political mischief on his part, claiming, like the leader of the opposition, he too wants a functional comfort station for residents. The mayor claims the employees who manned the facility were from the community and environs. It's not something we're trying to penalize, as I heard in, in Parliament, as I say, they're trying to penalize to the extent that they want him to lose his seat. No, I'm very, I've been very cooperative with the leader of the opposition, and he could, he could attest to that. And I would love to have the facility open, but we cannot have the facility under this condition. But the, see, the amazing thing is this. Did a leader of opposition at any time, knowing full well what the situation is, approach his people, try to tell them the why he put that facility there for them and what's the use of that facility? What did he do? But now you're complaining that he's been, you know, victimized. 
But he could have gone to these people, talked to these people. They know him very well. They, they vote for him all the time. So he had, he had full control over them. What did he do? Will the historically disenfranchised and underserved community receive an operational comfort station? Well, the leader of the opposition have to work with us to see whether we could get some middle road as far as that is concerned. We are willing, but we cannot have people. We have, you know how many security people that are afraid to even go inside of there? You should know that. Okay? But I have not heard of people complaining that they need the facility so badly that they need it open. Nobody's complaining. The mayor argues that a household with a working bathroom is more ideal than a community facility that cannot afford people dignity and privacy. When we are politicians, we always say it's very easy, when, especially when we're in, in opposition, that we're always going to uplift the people. We will have them at the dignity. But when we're in power, we degrade them. Some residents told News Force that they now see the George Charles Comfort Station as nothing more than a hollow shell that laughs in the face of people viewed in some circles as being at the bottom of the totem pole. So much crap and so much insensitivity because the Shastri mantra and, and the mayor himself worship definitely has it in spades is authoritarian strongman politics. First of all, folks, the people did have an outcry because this comfort station has been closed for the last three years. For the last three years that it was closed and the mayor had press conferences where he made fun of the people saying that they were sitting at, because not well, he confirmed it, that the people who were working at the comfort station also lived in the immediate vicinity. So his joke, at which all of the press laughed, was that people are getting paid to sit down and just look at the comfort station. Ha, 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 ha. Never mind the conditions of the people. And then now he's saying that it's degrading. Folks, what's more degrading? To go and use a public toilet and laundry facility or to do it on the street, in a pit, or to not have a toilet at all, not have any facility. It's degrading. Look, everybody would love to have a toilet, shower, running water, hot and cold, and everything else in their homes. But the fact is, if you even look at places like Ancillary, there are community toilet facilities. If community toilet and laundry facilities are so bad, why the hell did Gail post and boast and have opening ceremony and everything for the toilet facility they put in Miku North, the public laundry facility they put in Miku North? That's probably one of the few things that she can even point to in terms of doing in her community that wasn't in the immediate, immediate, immediate vicinity of her family home. What she put else, a road by her family home to her family home, a park directly opposite her family home. And then there's a toilet facility closer to the seashore. But that's okay. So it's so degrading and, and, and it's for politics and this and that and the other. First of all, when this facility was opened, the leader of the opposition, now leader of the opposition as MP for the constituency, did have an opening ceremony and presentation because there were international bodies, local bodies, and so on involved in this. But while they're focusing on the leader of the opposition, I am happy to see that he remains focused on the people. So you can stay here and intimidate, and intimidate journalists. You can let
of these arrest talk shows, do whatever you want. You can put a camera outside my office to see who's coming there. <coughs> you can do whatever you want, Mr. Speaker. You can do, you can do whatever you want, Mr. Speaker. But the fact is, St. Lucians listen to international news. You cannot stop CNN. You can't stop the Facebook. They know what's happening to the speaker. And they know that the COVID pandemic is surging in the United States. They know that, Mr. Speaker. And they know that our hotel, our tourism industry is fragile and under threat. So when you talk about unemployment, Mr. Speaker, these people know. They know. They know the reality of their life. They know what's happening to them. They can feel it, Mr. Speaker. I speak to them every day. They are stressed. They wonder, working out telling when they say what will happen to us next year. The people, I'm sure the member of viewers have to tell you about the 400 constituents that are not working, Mr. Speaker. And they, they, they say, they tell you, they are, they are, they are, Mr. Speaker, have some pity for them. Don't come and boast and laugh and say, you did, you did you do that. The fact is, Mr. Speaker, so these employment figures mean nothing to these people because they have to feed their family, they have to feed themselves, and they cannot feed them now because they are unemployed. That is the reality of the situation in solution, Mr. Speaker. So there's your difference, you know, for those that want to come with this crap about or both parties are the same, all of them are the same. Here you have the leader of the opposition focused on people. The UWP focused, uh, right now this iteration of the UWP, focused on their pockets. And now, as elections are near, focusing on the leader of the opposition, trying to tar and feather him. So here's his opponent, who, while she pretends that she's above board, will stop at nothing and play every dirty trick in the book. She'll even talk some shit. Name calling in politics. Let me show you what I mean. We're talking about the Star Award. Name calling. We're giving them a. St yeah, I need, I, I need. I need to put my gloves, man. I believe they were. So, my daddy like labor. So, my name gloves more trauma. Some people will go to lens to do anything, you know, to win. Talk. Yeah? Right. So the shit, talk, and A is for achievements. So the Star Awards is the shit, talk, achievement award. And that is the achievement. That is the achievement. You know, biblically it said that out of the heart of a man, out of the mouth of a man, cometh the abundance of his heart. The shit, the shit. Removed from the eyes, the sheet, especially from labor supporters. So, if you are an individual who is respectful, now we have a big sheet there, you know, we bought the sheet. It is the public facility in Bakade. And I don't know how many of you have been to Bakade. We have a bigger sheet. Only now we've moved in to do some cleaning around, you understand, the Fuashe area. We began the cleaning, and even that was upsetting to people in the community how we removed the sheet. I think politics really is a reflection of who you are. For the sheet, the people of the boulevard in Marshall, for the sheet, in Castries. What I've found as Minister for Local Government is many toilets all across the country, and some of them willing and ready to take in the amount of shit that Labour is talking. I'm trying to figure how somebody believes that they can represent the people in the House of Parliament yet they are actually unable to put on a rubber glove properly. You have five fingers. <laughs> now let's deal with the actual facts. Folks, in some communities, 
you would, and like I said, it would be nice if every household had a toilet of their own in every home. But for everything from pipes and sewage to land disputes, litigation, logistics of other infrastructure that is in an, in an area that would make it probably even easier to try to see if people could be re- relocated, but people have to also be willing to be relocated in many instances. When Philippe Pierre approached this project, and this is something that I myself have been a bit pissed off at him for, not, not to anything personal, but just the fact that, yeah, you did something good and you're letting people giving you licks over. But then again, if you were the kind of person that isn't looking for you know, recognition, I guess that's how it works. Listen to the number of agencies that were involved in this project. And this is information that I've actually had from about two years ago, but it just, I just never got because, I mean, I wasn't on air for the last year, never got around to them. First of all, the Basic Needs Trust Fund was involved in this project, and the way that the toilet facility was set up, they had input in making sure this happened. The Caribbean, De- Caribbean Development Bank, so that's an international agency. Poverty Reduction Fund, SSDF, the DCA, the Ministry of Social Transformation, the Castries Constituency Council, and the project was tendered and approved. So, listen to the international agencies. The, the CDB is funded by Germany, the United States, England, etc. Now, when they tell you about the politics of it, just imagine, there are public toilet facilities for Castries alone, the Castries Constituency, in Grass Street, in Foasho, in Lesleyland, in Marsha, in New Village, in high, on High Street by Dr. Freezer's side there, Port Authority, Wilton's Yard, the Graveyard, Darling Road, Jeremy Street, the Central and the Central Market also has a public toilet facility. And of all of these public toilet facilities, Peterson and the Mayor's Office only closed one. And back when he did it, it had nothing to do with people being degraded. What he said was that people were getting paid to do nothing but sit down and watch. It was on Choice, it was on HTS as well. People were getting paid to just sit down and watch to see people go in toilets. And nobody's saying that it is the most dignified way to use a public toilet facility is the greatest thing. Nobody comes and says, boy, I went to the public toilet. But at the end of the day, again, I ask the question, which is more dignified? For the people to have a common facility that was recommended by the CDB, by SSDF, by Poverty Reduction Fund, Social Transformation, and the DCA, all of these people approved because at the end of the day, it was the only way to ameliorate the conditions for everybody without literally having to go through a Byzantine process with all of the different landowners, some people overseas, some dead, this, that, all of the different things. And this comfort station is the only one, and yet all of the others which have people in similar conditions. But don't forget, in Sarah's constituency, New Village, she can't afford to lose those votes. You see how it works? And for PR, for the Castries market, they can't afford to lose those votes. But when it comes to Castries East, Puesa. But like I said, the minister and leader of the opposition and the representative for Castries East, even now, continues to be focused on the people. When you take from grade 7, Mr. Speaker. And look at who is in grade 7. Junior customs officers, senior constables, assistant accountant 1, teachers grade 3A in grade 8, corporals in grade 8, staff nurse grade 3 in grade 9, 
sisters in grade 12, graduate teachers, Mr. Speaker. You want to take 50% of the disposable income. Let me give you a rough calculation of how painful that is, apart from the fact that it's going to stop to reduce the disposable income and it's going to reduce the spread in the economy. Most civil servants, more than 50% of their income goes to loans. But let us lose the, the prudential creditworthiness and say 50% goes into loans and 50% to spend. So if a civil servant gets $4,000 a month to take home, and for grade 8, the maximum on the scale, for grade 8, maximum on the, on the scale is $3,564. Let us say it's $4,000. We're not speaking about NIC, we're speaking about tax. Out of that $4,000, $2,000 goes to loans. Because you have to pay your car, you have to pay your mortgage. I'm going to deal with the moratorium and mortgages in a while. So you have $2,000 in the bank to spend. What the government is saying is they'll take half of that. So they'll give you $1,000, Mr. Speaker, and they'll tell you, oh, you only have to buy food because everywhere else is closed. That $1,000, Mr. Speaker, you've taken, you've given these people, one, that person, $1,000 to spend. What about their fuel? What about payment for their domestic help? What about their medication? What about payment for their babysitters? What about their natural living, Mr. Speaker? They're living. You've given them one thousand dollars of that of that money, Mr. Speaker. But I thought five dollars was not whole. But, Mr. Speaker, you, whilst you are doing that, you are saying to them that you'll pay them back the bonds, Mr. Speaker. If I may, with, with, with the member's permission, I, I certainly want to... Honorable Prime Minister, you order. said with his permission, so I need to ask with him... With his permission, if he doesn't... Hallucination. Yeah? All right. You may come. Okay. Um, and I apologize to the member um, if certainly um, he's not understood what the government's offer has been, but certainly I would like to maybe make the point right now. The 50% the 50 is that the PYE is going to be on the bond. And also arrangements are being made um, for there to be a moratorium on loan payments, etc. So in fact, when the member would calculate those into it, in fact, persons probably, in most cases, I can't say in all cases, in most cases, are actually going to have more take-home pay under this circumstance than they would even under getting the full salary. Because let me remind that the PAYE for the full amount will be on the bond, as well as now the moratoriums on events. So the amount of take-home pay that the individual will have in most circumstances will actually be higher than what they currently are undertaking. I also want to say um, to the member on the opposite side that also the many of the credit unions have also indicated that they're prepared to um, cash the, uh, the bonds that they have. But that's why the proposal is to give the bonds in smaller denominations. If a person wants to just cash out a portion of it, then they would be in a position. So I, I don't want to make an issue, and I apologize if he, if he didn't understand that. Um, and, but so I just want to, to provide Very a well. level of clarity, Mr. Speaker. Honorable Leader of the Opposition. Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, if the if the civil servant will go home with more money, what's the use of the cut? 
what's the use, Mr. Spirit? Honorable lady, I'm yeah? sorry. Member for Ancillary, can you, can you please put on your mask, please, sir? Continue, leader. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. I, I, I listened to, to, to the Prime Minister's explanation, Mr. Speaker, and I'm happy he, he tried to explain it without casting as cushions. Mr. Speaker, that really doesn't make any... It's difficult to comprehend. If you're taking a cut in salary, a cut in disposable income, how the person will go make more money? So in talking to people from Castries East or all over St. Lucia, the queneristics that have been trying to be made out just don't add up. There's no need to defend the leader of the opposition because there's nothing to defend. When you look, the facts bear themselves out. You have comfort stations all over, and the only one that's closed is in his constituency. When it was closed, the mayor said it was because of the conditions, but yet no money was ever set aside to elevate the conditions the same way that they did for the Castries market. A vehicle was bought a uh, PRO got a loan for another vehicle. Another vehicle was bought trips to New York, trips to Martinique, mayor's ball, mayor's mass, mayor's football tournament. Um, there was an investigation. There were all of these things, an inquiry, an audit, and nobody ever thought to spend $10 to paint the place if that's what it needed or to clean it up if that's what is needed. Let's be honest. And then you think, that the Basic Needs Trust Fund, Caribbean Development Bank, Poverty Reduction Fund, SSDF, DCA, Ministry of Social Transformation, Constituency Development, um, Castries Constituency Council, and all of these people were involved. And you know the other thing too? The residents who did complain, who did complain in the news about the closure, now we just pretend that they never said anything, they never spoke up. But when it was constructed, it was constructed after a socioeconomic study done by economists and sociologists. And it was, there were meetings held together with the residents who all approved of the toilet facility, the comfort, the comfort station. But that's okay. That's okay, because facts are starting to matter now. And one fact that is salient is that Prime Minister Shastney has always had an issue with Castries East. Not, Castries East is not just Marsha, not just Entrepore, Independence City, all the way up to Bocage, all in Touj, right, all in Bagatelle, all these areas there. He has had a problem. You know how you know? Those who know their history, when the Labour Party was asking to protest, to hold a protest, and they wanted to have a protest on the waterfront, you know what he said? He was Minister for Tourism then. He said they should have a, why don't they have the protest in, in Marsha? Why don't they let them have the protest in Marsha? And you can draw whatever inference you want from that, but I know what it means. And you know, I keep talking about the disconnect with this Prime Minister. And a country takes on the persona of its leader. I've always said that. With Compton, we had a self-confidence about us. It was about industry. It was about agriculture, physical infrastructure. With Kenny Anthony, you got a more cerebral educational approach. There were social services, um, rationalization of land with the proud program so that you had social equity coming. You had education-based. You had all of these things going on. With under Shastney, we have become aliens to ourselves because he doesn't share our values. And apparently we have begun to forget our values. Do you remember when we actually used to come together? 
Do you remember when we didn't look at north versus south like the government tries to encourage? We didn't look at east versus west or this community and that constituency. We found common ground. Even if it was at the Marsha grounds, we found common ground. Well, all I can tell you is, if you keep Shastney, we will continue in the way that we are going. And if we make any kind of change, then at least we have an idea of what we've lost. You don't remember what we've lost? Well, let me give you a reminder, particularly the people of East Castries who have been targeted. Oh, okay, then tell the people why you moved the opening of Jazz from Marsha. You didn't realize it would disenfranchise all these same people? comes a group of superhero germ busters, the germaphores. We spend most of our time fighting germs every day of the week. After I play, I wash my hands. Before I eat, I wash my hands. After I play with my puppy, I wash my hands. I cover my sneezes with my forearm or elbow when I am in public. And I cover my cough to avoid spreading dangerous germs. We are the germophones, germ-busting superheroes. You can be too. Always wash your hands and cover your sneeze and cough. Let's stop the spread of menacing germs. We'll be back, germophones, with more powerful germs. And we will be waiting to prevent you from spreading.
Welcome back and thanks for staying with The Revolution. And for those of you who have joined The Revolution, thank you as well. Shoutouts to those used following on UTV on Facebook as we speak. For those of you following UTV on Instagram, shoutouts to you as well, UTV124. For those of you watching Channel 124 on Flow, good afternoon to you. And of course, those of you on um, Twitch, as well as Hits Radio, 92.1 in the North, 91.1 in the South. So, it is. I am duty-bound, sadly, to have to go through the tedium of, you know, pulling and fact-checking a lot of the things that are said by politicians. When it comes to Shastney, he definitely keeps you busy because you don't just want to write off everything as wrong or a lie. And at the same time, you owe it to the people that you are reporting to, um, to, to trust but verify or don't trust but still verify. So in the budget speech, I've already pointed out a number of inaccuracies, flat-out lies or misleading statements. This one and the better ones have a little bit of sophistry in them. So let's go to the Sports Academy that is in Groselais, Beausijou. For those of you who do not know, the Groselais um, Secondary School was converted into, or if you want to say converted into, a sports academy. And to ensure that we have a robust system that can maximize sporting talents with the secondary school system, we have established the St. Lucia Sports Academy. Mr. Speaker, promising athletes who attend this academy will receive a world-class education, both in terms of academics and in their respective sporting disciplines. Curricula will be tailored that will suit the young athlete, where modules such as nutrition, leadership, and sports fitness will be taught and actively practiced. The level of interest that this new institution has created both here and within the region highlights its potential to nurture world-class talent. Mr. Speaker, when asked what this government has done in the last four years, I believe the answer is evident. This is a government that promises and delivers. So yesterday, I decided that I was going to walk over to the Groselet School because I couldn't understand how the Prime Minister was casting this school as a vibrant, active school with athletes training all day long. When, first of all, when Gail Rigobert first spoke in the consultation about the school, she said that the, there would be a dormitory, there would be places for people to sleep, and that has happened. And the school would be converted. They would put in some sort of track and field and running and so on. And in all of that, what was amazing, well, well there were a couple of amazing things. First of all, Lockerbie was involved and brought in his father as a consultant, but his father was a professional, qualified Christian. In other words, he is a theologian. He was, um, I don't know, he had no sporting background, but basically he was on as a consultant, so more gravy would pass. And he was in charge of um, Bible studies in the United States. Then Gail said that it would be focused mainly on vocational studies. And I wondered, are we going back to the days of thinking that because somebody is an athlete, it means they do not have intellectual capacity? If I have a child at the Viewfort Comprehensive or the Choiselle Secondary or uh, Leon Hess or College or Compre or wherever, and I, or, or they pass through um, common entrance and they pass for one of these schools, am I supposed to choose between sending them to pursue their athletics and then their academics? 
Then there was the problem of the fact that Grosley may not be the biggest constituency. Chozel Saltibus is the largest geographical. But population-wise, the Grosley constituency has over 31,000 people living there. So with 31,000 people and only having the Corinth Secondary School, the former administration under Kenny Anthony with Robert Lewis and other Ministry of Education people and so on, and the Ministry of Infrastructure saw it very fitting to have another secondary school within that general area. Makes sense. Now, the Prime Minister said you'll get a world-class education. First of all, they are only doing Form 4 and Form 5 studies. So Forms 1, 2, and 3 have had to dispower. They've sent them over to other schools as part one you're getting a world-class education except that you can't get forms one two and three the next problem is while there are dormitories that's all well and good there's virtually no athletics program the facility is not finished maybe they can tell you whether it's three quarters whatever you'll see for yourself in a moment they also have been having very minimal coaching up to six only small pockets of runners and track and field athletes taken in six at a time to do some training. They are getting sports theory, but no practical. They are waiting for the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Sports to design the curriculum for them. And look, nothing stays still. Our child who is 14, 15, 16, 17, in today's world, a professional athlete is going to be world-class and you know that if they are training from the time that they're seven, eight. Don't think Hussein Bolt. I have a friend of mine. He's a pilot, Darren. Darren told me he used to see um, Bolt running track and field when he was 10, 11 years old, you know, in the, on the university track and field out there. In the same way that Jamaica can tell you Beres Hammond was winning music, comp- music school competitions from the age of 14, you know that when you develop in world-class athletes, they have to be developed 7, 8, 9, 10. There are no unimportant years. For the, so for the last four years that this government has basically destroyed a good school in trying to convert it to an apartment building, nobody knows what the regulations and laws are going to need to be in place for a boarding school. What happens if a child gets molested or raped on the compound or robbed or beaten up? Nobody wants to talk about those things and the liability. What about the the liability if the child gets injured? We're putting artificial turf fields down which have shown to to, um, damage people's knees, joints, everything. The the women's soccer team in the United States and also the other soccer teams for women's in terms of FIFA actually sued FIFA so that they would not have to play on artificial turf, but we're there, we have busy bringing it down with Lockerbie. Now, he said that it's a, a, a level of fitness. Folks, there is no, and I made sure to ask, is it because of COVID? And he said, no, it's not because of COVID that the school is not running. It's, it's doing some academics from four, from five, but it is not doing the major athletics program that the Prime Minister was boasting about and talking about delivering on promises. So I went in and I spoke to a senior coordinator in charge, but I made sure not to put his face because you know this government already. Hi, Christopher. I'm just trying to get an answer for one question. I just want to know if the, I understand with COVID, I just want to know if the actual sports program mm-hmm. has been, is now active. No, not, not active. Not yet? Well, I, I, because actually we're waiting for um, some protocol from the Ministry of Sports. They're developing something along the 
uh, Ministry of Health as to like when clubs start back training and so on because our training is basically just like clubs, right? So we're just waiting on some information so that we could begin our training. But at the moment, we can just like open like six students, just uh, maximum of six students. Okay, so then we is not really anything much that we can really do except for the track, which is an individual event. In terms of the football, nothing else. Yet. So then, the, so then the school itself is not not activated as yet. Then no, well, we we have classes going on for the form fives and the students in CXC. Yeah, ah, form fours as well. But I mean, in terms of the athletics, no, in terms of the track and field and the football and cricket, not as yet. We have some track training training as it, um, um, but the football, no, no training. Okay. You could come in after the game. No training for the footballers. As it because it's a team sport. Um, what we used to do, we used to send them um, workouts, and they would do the workouts and send videos, so they could look at the and so on. That's what we do. But in terms of training, at the moment, we can work with six students at a time. So what we have done, we have restricted it just to the track and field students. We're just looking at just five long jump, four long jumpers. That's what we've been doing for now. And no training at all for the cricket at all footballers. Okay. The students, well, we just ended this week. They have been doing sports theory with the coaches. Okay. Yeah, so they've been doing online classes with the coaches, sports theory, plus the normal classes. So, unless things have changed completely radically, St. Lucia, you know what a school looks like. Even with COVID and the reopening of schools and so on, did that look like a school that had any kind of major activity? Did you see in what I filmed any effort to conceal people that might be there? <laughs> anyway, I'll digress. And I'm coming back to that sports academy next week. God spare. I'll be back. Because there's more. In the meantime, I want to go to the House of Assembly in the budget presentation and something that the, the, the member for Viewfort North, Moses Musa Jabati, stated when he said that Bradley Felix would be characterized and described what his legacy would be. But this, this life-changing moment of COVID-19 and these life-changing circumstances of COVID-19 is really not a time for only boasting about roads and so on? Mr. Speaker, I hate to interrupt the, the member, but I never said I built more roads than anybody. What I said, Mr. Speaker, I that, that under the Prime Minister, I have had more money spent on contracts in my community. I never specifically said roads, Mr. Speaker. So I just want to make that very clear. But he seems to emphasize on roads. No, no, no. Yes. Mr. Speaker, that's even worse. May, That's not what I said, Mr. Speaker. You may continue, I am just yes. making a statement that when members opposite talk about projects in the constituency, that's all good. You have, to, you have to do that. But since Mr. Speaker is talking about rules, I want to remind him that that is not what his legacy will be, Mr. Speaker. And every single one of us. There are certain salient things in our parliamentary life that will form our legacy. And some of us that legacy is already... Certain things that will resonate even after you die. And even after each one of us dies. The people will appreciate the roads and they need the roads. They will thank you for it. But in a decade's time, another parliamentary rep may come, or 20 years. And that is not the salient thing they will remember you for. And I want to describe to you, Mr. Speaker, what the people of St. Lucia will remember the member for Shuzel for. 
And so all of the banging and all of the, the noise and the clapping and so on, good for parliamentary banter. But in this COVID-19 situation, well, St. Lucians are looking for a different direction and a different consensus, Mr. Speaker. Let me tell you what his legacy will be. He signed a document giving or close to a thousand acres of land of the people's patrimony to one man, Mr. Speaker, to establish a horse racing facility. They say it's close to $2.5 billion worth. The documents that we laid in the parliament, which they, 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 they did all kinds of things, but they cannot yet present the valid, which, what they say is a valid document. That document also describes the area where the stadium is, 90 acres. It also describes the whole of Sandy Beach. They came afterwards and say Sandy Beach is no longer in it. It describes all of this area. He signed the document, and then when quizzed by the press, he said he never read the document. In any other country with stringent regulations, this, this member can, could never sit in cabinet again after that, Mr. Speaker. That will be his legacy. That is what he will be remembered for, for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That DSH deal, Mr. Speaker. Speaker, on a point of order. What will your legacy be? Mr. Speaker, I, have never, I never said I never read the document, Mr. Speaker. Honorable member, you, you, you should not mislead the house. Honorable member, the member is saying that he did, did he say he never? He never read the document. You said that. He said when questioned that he did not read the document. So he's saying so today he, that he never said he never read the document. Yes, honorable member. So, okay. so, 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 right. correct so let that go in the record, Mr. Speaker. We shall have another opportunity. And okay? so correct yourself for the time being. Pardon me? So correct yourself for the time being. Yes, Mr. Speaker, for the time being. So the member for Schwarzel is saying here today that he never said that he never read the document. So Bradley Felix, a career banker, somebody who spent 15 years in Viewfort, has been a senior banker re charged with reviewing projects. And we all know the first rule of business if you're dealing with contracts is to read the document. Said that he never said that he, that he never read the document. He never said that he never read the document. But the charge was by Moses Jabatis that he said when asked by the press, that he said that he signed the document without reading it. Well, that is inaccurate because, again, for Bradley Felix, who claims to not be a politician, he is becoming more and more like Chastney every day in terms of being economical with the truth. Now, it is true he did not say the exact words that he signed the document without reading it. What he said was, I will show you what he said. And Bradley Felix, I invite you to see what you said. Because it's actually quite worse. Because no question had been asked of you yet at the Viewfort Town Hall meeting. And you gave the background. And without being asked, you stated that you signed the document. And then after that, you rev in reviewing the document that you had signed as a career banker, who evaluated people's loan and document proposals and sat in senior positions in one of the august banking bodies in St. Lucia. 
that did not obey the first rule, maybe it's because you don't have a spine and have absolutely no ability to stand up to Shastney, or maybe in a small way, which is growing, you have some parts of your character that are just like him, so you can empathize, sympathize, and probably financialize the same way. But I'm going to play for you folks an extended version. I mean, the town hall is longer, it's like over an hour. But I'm going to play for you not just what Bradley said about the, not just about signing the document and then reviewing it after, but also claiming that DSH wouldn't take up roads and all of the other things that were said with regard to the DSH project. And the people will see not only for Schwazel but St. Lucia. Ask, and ask yourself, what is the point of having somebody who literally is as spineless as a jellyfish? I don't care, he could be the nicest guy. But what is the point of having somebody who will not stand up in terms of defending or even in the face of his own professional integrity? He would rather leave his balls in a jar for Maldahide for Shastney to have than to rely on his decades worth of financial and banking experience. Listen to it for yourself so that when Musa quotes him next time they're in the house properly, right, and Bradley has to say it's not true, he'll say he's not a politician again. He's worse. He can see dirty politicians and join them. I think I should first indicate that um, I'm very familiar with the viewfort landscape, having um, my my work career began here 32 years ago, and um, of which I worked 15 years in viewfort. About four of them I lived here. Um, So I have socialized, I have worked, I have played in viewfort. So I think think I'm qualified to, to say that I know the viewfort landscape very well. Um, I think people would remember very early uh, last year seeing um, myself and the Prime Minister signing the agreement with DSH. And at the time, people were wondering um, how we were signing an agreement so early after coming into, into government. I need to indicate that when we first had a rapport with the principles of, of DSH, when we recognized what was on the table, we, we felt that this was an incredible deal for the South, and we felt we should not let this thing run away, and we decided to sign a framework agreement. Obviously, there were concerns after um, you know, going through the details. The framework agreement is binding. When we first had a rapport with the principles of, of DSH, when we recognized what was on the table, we, we felt that This was an incredible deal for the South, and we felt we should not let this thing run away, and we decided to sign a framework agreement. Obviously, there were concerns after, um, you know, going through the details. We decided to sign a framework agreement. Obviously, there were concerns after, um, you know, going through the details. Is a framework agreement binding? It is. And you'd remember that um, that um, y'all would have seen me doing a walkthrough in the mangrove. And then we came back to the table and we had some concerns that we felt that, listen, this thing, including the mangrove, would not work. The mangrove was too much of a delicate area for the community of Ufort, for our for our ecosystem. And in addition to what was being proposed, we recognized the rift, which was... Um, also going to be affected um, would have a, a devastating effect on the, on the shoreline. And so we decided we had to renegotiate. 
At the time, the investor uh, decided to look for alternative sites to, to make this thing work. And we did go into another framework agreement of which I am, I am I'm understanding that somehow so what is purported to be that new framework agreement was being played out in the media even before it was discussed with the cabinet of ministers. Um, so unfortunately, you know, there seemed to have been the discussion on the outside before the inside. Um, I can tell you one thing, as a cabinet of ministers, it is not a situation where when the prime minister says something, everybody agrees. There is extreme debate, okay, there is extreme consultation. I mean, we don't agree on everything. And we have since, we have since um, met on the, on the new framework agreement. And there are lots of concerns from cabinet men, uh, uh, members. We have, we, have, we, have, we have laid our concerns to the prime minister as to areas we believe, you know, should be renegotiated. Um, of course, a project of this size, you, I will appreciate there will be concerns. If there are no concerns, then, I mean, people are not, uh, people are not breathing. So there must be concerns. I want to assure you that every measure is going to be put in place as it relates to vetting and doing our due diligence. Mr. Felix said that the first phase, which is the horse track, doesn't involve the CIP project. At what stage, Mr. Felix, will the CIP project be introduced? You, you, you answer me that. I didn't say it. I was not the one who said it, but I support, I support the statement. The racetrack is 100% financed by the developer. We've said that time and time again. Okay? When the other phases are going to come in, at this point in time, will the CIP... Um, component be kicking in. Okay? So, the agreement that we read saying that there's no payback clause. Right, so if I couldn't answer the, I could if, if I could answer the gentleman's question. Right, so if I could answer the gentleman's question in relation to the buyback. Wait in your mouth, in your mouth, closer to your mouth. Rastaman, Mr. Snack, the Rastaman, no gentleman. Right, so if I could have the attention of the room so I could answer the gentleman's question. Can we can we get some quiet so he can answer, please? So what needs to be understood about the buyback provision is that no lands have been transferred to the developer for any aspect of this project. Lands will only be transferred 
to the developer when he is in a position to actually execute any particular phase. So right now, what is being focused upon is phase one. The investor or the developer is in a position to execute that project. So the question of a buyback is not a right. Because no lands would have been transferred until, until the developer is in a position to complete the construction of any particular phase. Mr. Snap, knowing the history of the Snap family, my brother, it's very hard for me to believe you. Naïdi Sampatoua, vieille fort, toujours ni un problème et puis de l'eau. Especially, comme on a en Black Bay. Tous les jours, tous les semaines, toutes les gouttes de l'eau, la pluie tombe, nous pas ni de l'eau. Bon, si nous pas ni de l'eau, côté yon kai jouen de l'eau pour yon sabay se chouval la. Et puis, nous ka di kohon, nous ka mande kohon, Kose chime an nou ni an, um, kote yo ka fè daivojan ebe anye kon sa, kon machin ka y pase, kon nou ka y pase, si son sa di nou sa souple. Merci. Um, I'm sure the general manager of Wasco could um, bear with me on my response, but I'm aware that um, there are plans currently for some uh, financing of some infrastructural work in Viewfort. So um, I'm sure that will complement the existing supply. Um, we're also aware that the developers have plans to, um, um, how you call it, to construct, a, is it a desalination plant? Okay, so these things have been considered. And I think there was a slide presentation which indicated the consultation um, that will be happening with the respective, or that has happened with the respective utility companies in order to accommodate the infrastructure. Thank you. One, two. The roads. Um, well, I'm not sure if everybody inside is familiar where the horse track is going to be because the, 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 there's no road network within the, the, where the track is located. The, there's the main road as soon as you pass the stadium or the hospital, as soon as you pass that area, there is a turning on your right that will lead into where the, the, the racetrack is going to be developed. So that area inside there will have its own development. So the road on the periphery, I, I cannot see how that will be affected in any way at all. Thank you. Um, a two-part question. Well, one for Investing Lucian, one specifically for the Member of Parliament. I'm going to be very specific, so I'd appreciate the response to be in kind. Um, if the framework agreement is not final, if the supplementary agreement is not final, what has finalized phase one? And if there is anything that has finalized phase one, or if there isn't anything that has finalized phase one, what's stopping from the other phases progressing as phase one has, right? So second question would be for the minister. Um, you've alluded to different concerns that have come up within cabinet. 
the people need to be a little bit confident in what's being said on their behalf by their ministers or their representatives. So if you could please speak on some of those points to let us know what is being debated on or maybe what you guys see as concerns. Because if we don't hear any of that, we believe that you guys are fully in support and can sleep well at night with what's going on. Okay. Um, as regards to the question um, directed towards me, I could tell you comfortably that the Cabinet of Ministers had a, a retreat just to deal with the framework agreement that was before us. And um, we're expecting the developer very soon on island. And I would hate to actually indicate to you some of our concerns before it has been discussed with him. However, I can tell you one of the um, more, more succinct, um, as, as indicated by um, a couple of our uh, um, um, members, is the issue of the buyback agreement. There is a concern as to the cost to the government, and there's a lot. The, 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 the cabinet of ministers had some concern as to how we can go go around that particular issue. So, I, like I said, I would not want to indicate some of the things because we have not discussed it with the developer. I think it's wrong to do it um, before having that wrap up with the, the developer. But I can assure you that the cabinet of ministers are looking for the best interests of the people of the South in this agreement. Thank you. Yo, 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 UTV, UTV. I know you, you want to say it. If you identify with the most pulsating, the most riveting, the most eye-capturing UTV to advertise with UTV, dial 484-7588 or 572-7588 for some of the most competitive rates, amazing programming, and bang for your buck. The most popular streaming channel, UTV124 on Facebook. Get it now. Check us out on Instagram at UTV124. Email us utvslu at gmail.com. UTV. It's not just for me. It's definitely TV for you. St. Lucia, you asked for it and we're making it happen. Revolution t-shirts are now available island-wide in Groselay at Nesta's Bar in Grand Riviere, a Dax supermarket in the Richard Frederick Building in Castries, Marilyn's Restaurant and Bar at the Daito Fisheries Complex in Denry, Hippolyte's in Sufre Town, as well as in Beaufort at Chanel's Upstairs, the Chanel's Plaza. Revolution t-shirts can also be ordered through Johnson for those in the Newton area, from Nyla in the Chozel to Labrie area, as well as Diana in the ancillary canneries and districts. 
And if you require any other information, please call our National Coordinator Dantes at 486-7658. That's 486-7658. Anytime, day or night. All sizes, all colors. Get your Revolution T-shirts today. None but ourselves can free our minds. Boom! Back it up, girl. Back it up, girl. Back it up, girl. Back it, back it up, girl. Yo, you don't know the one and only Freezy I can begin up your TV. Underground TV. Madras. Welcome back and thank you for staying with the revolution. Now, I would love to tell you it gets better, but it gets worse. Nothing worse than kicking a man when he's down. Nothing worse than trying to tax people when they do not know what their future holds in terms of uncertainty. Nothing worse than to have no way forward or see no way forward or see no leadership from the government at a time when you are in economic distress, education distress, uh, you are in social distress, you don't know what's going on with the state of, of, of um, emergency, with tourism, with tourists coming in, whether they have COVID, with testing in St. Lucia, you don't know anything for sure. The only thing that you know for sure is governance by confusion and sadly, normalized corruption. Folks, we have a horrible update to give you and it comes at the end of this. So buckle up. First, for those who don't know, this is the government that said that NICE, which had an apprenticeship program sending people to work and train in everything from television and film to agro-processing to um, jams and jellies and everything, auto mechanics and everything in between. NICE hired over somewhere in the region about 3,000 people over five years as a market intervention that was never meant to continue indefinitely, but to reduce unemployment. And it did have some meaningful gains in the registry, in the update of documents and principles assistance. It showed the need for principles assistance. It also showed that there was a need for home health care workers, one of the few programs that was continued. And then this prime minister came in and first they did CHTTI and funnel money away from NSDC that was established under Sir John in the 80s to train solutions and had young people all over the country, but particularly, according to the prime minister from Sufre, right around to Denry, about three to four hundred of them take loans to pay for a school that was not accredited, did not teach the proper subjects. Um, was never certified by the Ministry of Education, never paid the children back, and they never got job placement outside of 24 of them that got to work for three months in um, at Royalton over one Christmas as temporary workers. Then the Prime Minister worked on Ojo Labs, and Ojo Labs came out of nowhere. You don't remember? Here are the Ojo origins. Madam Speaker, to generate employment opportunities, especially within the south of the island, for example, our government has partnered with Ojo Labs International to develop an artificial intelligence training and call center to market and sell their products, services, software, and technology of Ojo and its clients, including the fastest growing real estate company in the United States. By September, Ojo will occupy leased retrofitted premises within the St. Lucia Free Zone to house this facility. Employees will be recruited and trained starting this month. It is anticipated that 50 jobs in the area of artificial intelligence training will be immediately created with the plan to expand ultimately to over 200. This is the first for the Caribbean and will provide our people with advanced technological skills that are not currently available, that are currently non unavailable in the, in the region. This will provide an opportunity for our young people 
to expose to cutting-edge technology from a first-world company. What's unique about Ojo Labs is it's a small team of entrepreneurs and technologists that have worked on a bunch of hard problems in the past and been very successful at it. And they're working on a new and challenging problem in building an artificial intelligence platform. When they try to ridicule us for Ojo Labs, where are there's voices today? Ojo Labs is employing 270 people today. Leaders of today, they cannot show us the way. Hey, hey, what we have is crime, crime, crime and more crime. White collar, black collar, standing in line. Children live in school and they can't find work, so they turn the band wide. There has been criticism from the onset, particularly pointing to the fact that the government would be contributing quite a hefty sum towards the wages of the employees there and the number of concessions granted to Ojo. So what is Ojo? First of all, they tell you artificial intelligence. Sounds complicated, but the truth is artificial intelligence technically has been around since the 1940s. World War II artificial intelligence. The same way the first computers were actually human beings before international business machine IBM started to make mechanical ones. Now, when they tell you Ojo and you're figuring some amazing thing, as much as artificial intelligence is innovative, the truth is Ojo, which is Spanish for I, is an eye on real estate. And all it is is a program which is much like WhatsApp that they are developing. So if you are somewhere in the States, whether in Kansas or Nebraska, Idaho or Tulsa, you will send, you will basically have this Ojo app on your phone and you will type in and you say, I want a three bedroom house in Boston, Massachusetts. And they'll tell you. The Ojo will respond as artificial intelligence tell you what what price range and you say well I want it for five hundred thousand US or less and then it'll show you the various photos of the kitchen the living room the homes the listings the geographic locations in Saint Lucia contrary to what anybody told you all these kids were getting was a data dump every day of about a hundred thousand um, photographs. And they would just stay with their mouse and click. When you click, bedroom, bathroom, living room, toilet, shower, ceiling, driveway. That's it. And they would just continue to do that. The people developing the app were in the States. The people who were doing the AI were in the States. They started off with a small group of 12. And one of the things that you couldn't understand is where this project came from and why after talking about uh, the Labour Party and NICE, would we pay for a company if it was so viable? Why would we refurbish buildings that were in the... First of all, the buildings that were refurbished were in the expansion plans for the redevelopment of Huronora Airport. Why were we paying if these people had so much money? Why were we giving them duty-free concessions on yachts? What did Jerry, who is in charge there now... What did Jerry need a yacht for? How would that help him or help the company if he brought down his own private yacht? How would that help him work with Ojo or develop any of the youth? And it's like Richard Frederick said, seem to be milking the bull. Isn't that true? That government will pay. It includes utilities, electricity, water, charges associated with internet, and Wi-Fi connection, isn't that true? 
Isn't it also true that there was an agreement to grant concessions for, ve for vehicles and a boat? A boat? <laughs> Isn't that true? I'm asking. Isn't it also true that the government has agreed to pay $1,000 for the first 100 workers for 18 months? Isn't that true? So at $100,000 a month, it equates to $1.8 million. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Without the company having to reimburse government one penny? Isn't it also true that for a period to be determined, government would pay $500 towards the salaries of all the workers? Isn't that true? And it's a big deal, Ojo. Ojo, founded two years ago. Two years ago, 12 employees in the mighty United States, but coming and milking the bull. So this country with limited resources that already has an NSDC that has been starved by this government, taking money away from them for reputable certified training programs that have been established since the 1980s, locally and regionally recognized and delivering CVQ certification and other level courses, was circumvented for Ojo Labs. The first 100 people employed got $1,000 paid by government for 18 months. And indefinitely, in, in the, basically the last three years, we have been paying however many staff that they hired. Chastney said they got up to 270. They never reached over 200. Right now, they're at 45. And they laid off tons of their staff before. And they actually, and you, I'll show you the emails another time. I'm waiting for anybody to deny it. That they actually, they actually said that, they, that COVID provided them the opportunity because they were going to go out any which way. Now, the stranger thing about this whole thing was that there, there was no formal partnership with the government of St. Lucia. In other words, Ojo had no memorandum of understanding nothing to tie them down to St. Lucia we paid all their bills paid all their staff and what and you couldn't understand because KM2 or KM squared or whatever you want to call it was there from the early 2000s it never got any of the concessions that Ojo Labs got yet they managed to expand to four other islands including Puerto Rico and even put another location in Bosejo when they started in Union in the early 2000s somewhere around there and here you have KM squared or KM2 I'm never sure which one it is still solutions who has expanded and employs hundreds and they never got any of these concessions and yet, Ojo Labs was getting all these concessions. And then we found out who the lawyer for, KM, for, um, for Ojo Labs was. Let's show them who the lawyer for Ojo Labs was or is. And that's the same person who was a lawyer for Yodel, which is the company that Ojo Labs had before. 
So that same lawyer for Ojo Labs is the same lawyer that was the lawyer for Yodel. We can put that down now. So you start to connect the dots. Now Steve Berkowitz and his two partners sold Yodel, which was a call center in Union and in Texas in the United States. They sold Yodel, which was um, sort of like home advisor, carpenters and plumbers and so on, would use Yodel and you'd connect them with homeowners who wanted a handyman, they wanted an electrician, they wanted somebody to do cement works on different levels of construction or maintenance on their homes. They sold that company for 342 million US dollars. As you've seen, Steve Berkowitz, who you, who you can Google, I have nothing against the guy or his partners, is worth over 112 million US dollars. And that was before, that was probably a year ago. Who knows what he's worth now? And he is a venture capitalist. They build companies, they start companies, and they sell them. So even if we wanted to get in bed with these guys, the truth is, whoever they sold the company to would have no obligation to St. Lucia. So it was always very tricky to understand the relationship. And then we hit COVID now after four years in office. And in hitting COVID now, you would think that the government, knowing that you have 15,000 people out of work for the hotel sector alone, another 10, 15,000 between taxi drivers, people have lost their jobs, and the restaurant industry is collapsing. You have um, all these businesses that have closed all around St. Lucia, all these people made redundant. But somehow the government, this government, in the middle of a COVID crisis, found money to give to Ojo now in 2020. IMF, RCF, IMF, RCF, you all sitting right there, International Monetary Fund, Rapid Credit Facility, you all are taking money, that is AMAC to help the poor people, that is supposed to bring relief to persons who are unemployed. That is supposed to provide income support. Money intended for poor and vulnerable solution people is being put to use to facilitate foreigners, strangers, and friends. And it does not stop there. It does not stop there. What has Ojo Labs done for us, folks? What has Ojo Labs done for us? What has Ojo Labs done for the government and people of this country? Nothing. Nada. We gave them a building. We spent $5 million on that building to refurbish it. We pay their workers. We paid utilities. But like the SH, we have absolutely nothing getting out of it. You know, it is those foolish decisions that have us where we are today. DSH, we put in land, give passport, do everything. No panayin la. Ojo labs, no mete tout bagay ka pay, no panayin la. And up to today, folks, you don't have to show all of them because, you know, time is of essence now. There is $1.1 million in our budget, in our budget, allocated to the National Apprenticeship, Apprenticeship Program under which Ojo Labs is paid. So Ojo Labs has an allocation in the budget of this country and those monies are coming from the IMF loan 
that is intended to provide relief for the poor people of this country. So you heard it, you've seen it, you can get the documents and read online again. Money that was meant to go to people who are unemployed, the distressed, people to help with COVID, economic relief and health relief, $1.1 million channeled to National Apprenticeship Program, which their primary program is Ojo Labs. In the middle of a crisis, and note while well, I told you Steve Berkowitz up to last year was worth over $112 million. But also in the time that we have been paying $500 indefinitely towards, and over the 18 months, $1,000 to the first 100 workers, they have managed to have parties there. There's a nice salad bar there. They ordered a pool table, and it, when it broke on being transported, they ordered another pool table. There's a table tennis table, and you can play at any time that you want. I even showed you all the Halloween party because they don't do Jeune Creole. They don't do Jenny Creole. They do Halloween, All Hallows Eve. And it worked. It worked. And we were paying all of these things. And while all of that was going on, they bought three companies while we could not get a dime from them. Now, all of the people that are in there, the young people, all their creativity and everything not really being utilized. But the truth is, even if they did come up with any ideas, because we had no arrangement between the government and the people of St. Lucia to have a formal partnership with Ojo Labs, even if their, their intellectual properties and ideas would go to Ojo Labs any which way, we, the people, if, if a young person came up with an innovative idea, they wouldn't have to pay them guek. And you ask yourself, what is the point of taking all these state resources if we have no shares in Ojo Labs? And you have to ask the question, are any private individuals who are family of the prime minister or any other ministers, are any ministers of government, anybody's father, anybody's wife, any other minister, anybody, does anybody have any shares in this? Because the government and people of St. Lucia formally have no shares in Ojo and there is absolutely no commitment for them to stay here. There is nothing keeping them in St. Lucia. So let's go through the companies that they bought while we were paying all their bills. So the first one that they bought, and put that up on screen, is Wolfnet. Right? So we'll zoom in off that Silicon Hills I wanted to show you. Ojo Labs acquired Wolfnet. And we'll go, come bring it down a little bit. And we show October 2018. The other way. The October 2018. You can see Ojo Labs acquires Wolfnet and plans to grow big in Austin. They bought that in 2018. Now let's show the next company that they bought. They bought a company called Real Savvy. So, they turn around in 2019, October 2019 now, they bought Real Savvy. And now, this year, we go to the third, they bought Movato. Dore Omogato, Mr. Movato. Yes, $62.5 million raised in venture capital to buy a third, that's million US, huh, to buy Movato. Folks, and look at our state. When we tell you that the government, and the worst thing is to see the St. Lucian ministers and members of cabinet chide 
solutions talking about we have to work for this and we don't want to work for that. And then you hear things about mendicants. When this government's entire priority is corporate social welfare to people who could buy St. Lucia if they wanted to. Again, you want more detail? Listen. Folks, Ujo Labs, whom we are heavily subsidizing and are taking our money out of St. Lucia, Uh, obviously, I've not invested a penny here. On top of them raising 45 million US in March. In March, they just raised another 62.5 million US to buy another company in the US called Movoto, a privately owned listing website in the United States. Ojo Labs just bought a privately owned company with a website listing of properties. And they bought it for 62.5 million US. Could you put it up for me, please? Folks, those things are just unfair. They cannot be right. You cannot tell me that we are using our monies to sustain Ojo Labs down here. And Ojo Labs is out there raising that kind of money whilst we are, are, are living below our well in misery. Artificial intelligence real estate firm Ojo Labs raises 62.5 million and buys home listing site. Let me read first couple paragraphs for you very quickly. Having closed the fourth round of funding, Ojo Labs, a real estate company that deploys artificial intelligence to the home buying experience, announced today the acquisition of home listing web website Movuto. And that was um, today, 24th. Today is the 25th. That was yesterday, folks. That was yesterday. Austin-based Ojo Labs, known for its proprietary personal assistant technology that blends machine learning and human operations, raised $62.5 million. And that's yesterday, folks. That is yesterday. That's the same Ojo Labs we are paying their workers, you know. That's the same Ojo Labs we gave a building, you know. That's the same Ojo Labs we spend money to refurbish their building, you know. That's the same Ojo Labs that is paying no taxes, absolutely nothing at all. And we are paying all their utilities, you know. <laughs> right. The raised $62.5 million in Series D financing round led by investment firm Wafra. The latest funding round, the company's largest by Risk Capital comes after a five-year-old. Ojo Labs is just five years old. So when it came here, it probably was just formed. <laughs> it secured another $45 million last March. We, we were not planning on raising money. Here they see, says the CEO and the co-founder of Ojo Labs. 
they were not planning on raising money because they have a nice balance sheet. But they must have a nice balance sheet because St. Lucia is subsidizing them. St. Lucia, St. Lucian and St. Lucia's money is subsidizing them. I want to ask the Prime Minister, who in this country, who in government has shares in Ojo Labs? Who? Just tell us who. Somebody has shares. Because the poor people of this country cannot be subsidizing a company that is five years old and can raise 40 something million in March US, 62.5 million yesterday and can buy a privately owned listing company. And then the CEO will brag that they have a nice balance sheet. They must have a nice balance sheet. They ride on our backs. So folks, I'll open up the lines now at 5727588. And I want to give you another update. Sad, but we ask for it. We're begging for it. That's the reality of what we have done to ourselves by having Shasne as our prime minister. Personally, I would like to know that there's a way somehow that if we find out that any of these ministers, their family or whoever, has shares in Ojo Labs, because we sure as hell don't, that we make that money come back to the people of St. Lucia, who have sacrificed so much in order to make the rich richer. But what is even worse, folks, is even though there's a $1.1 million allocation of which Ojo Labs is going to get part of it, it's just to hold them on until after Shasta wins elections. Ojo Labs is leaving St. Lucia. The breaking news, which I am one of the last to know because apparently the internal correspondence has said that Ojo Labs is going to Grenada. They find that the St. Lucians are too difficult in terms of their accents, in terms of for the call center, and Grenadians have better accents, and they've been sending people back and forth to make the arrangements. So Ojo Labs, after everything that we've done with no commitment, will stand for Shastney's ego as yet another failure in St. Lucia. Another one, you know there's the Midas touch, you touch something and it turns to gold. Well, Shastney is the Mordas touch because everything he turns, turns to crap. And at the end of all of that, he or whoever the people he knows who have shares in Ojo Labs are going to watch this, country, this company skyrocket while as a country we continue to be plundered. And nothing for that. Chamber of Commerce, mm. the rest of them, mm. nothing. They have nothing. They say, oh, yeah. They just there, and they're looking for crumbs. Whatever fall off the master's plate, this table, they'll take it. And in the meantime, those below who depending on those same people to advocate for fairness and equity in society. So Ojo Labs, which has about forty-five people there left, those people know they go in. What are they giving them? They give them $500 worth of um, massive vouchers. Those that they fired before, they let go. They give them a little mini tablet, laptop looking thing. And in the meantime, Jerry still have his boat. He's still living up by Savans Bay with his family, getting paid from the Americans. So he never had any problems getting paid like those that were getting paid through the St. Lucian leg and the bank. I think it was the Royal Bank and so on that had to make the payments. I want you to think about that, folks. We aren't just rock bottom. Rock bottom is up there. We aren't rock bottom. We're below rock bottom. 
And we cannot find a way except hoping that this Tebebe calls elections so that we have a chance, a chance, and by then we don't even know if we'll get a fair election. Just imagine after all what we endured with this Ojo Maji. It's not even an I told you so thing. I am telling you, they can say I lie, and then when they go after elections, you will see. Ojo is going to Grenada. They acquired this other company. They acquired Wolfnet. They acquired, what's it? Movoto, Movato, Movoto. And I like the last one name. Real Savvy. They are real savvy. I hold nothing against the owners and operators of Ojo Labs. They're in business to make money. And we had a bois. We had a rabbit here in charge of our country who could only see no further than his personal greed for his friends and family. How many times has your father walked through and sat down at Ojo Labs and taught it? How many times has Gail been there and Guy been there? How many of them and what level of involvement do they have in it? Is it all professional and just public interest? Why is it the media was never allowed to go into Ojo Labs and film? And all you had was one or two little stage press things outside of Ojo Labs with Bill Clinton and also outside in the office of the Prime Minister. Sanusha, just imagine we refurbished a building that was in the expansion plans for UNR International Airport. We've spent, and here's the best part, up to now, we had an initial commitment of between 5 and $10 million towards Ojo Labs. Right now, since we have been paying the salaries indefinitely, and there have been other refurbishments, because a lot of the hypoxia and stuff that was cracking inside of the buildings had to be redone by the same company that put it in the first place and had it cracking. What's even worse than that is the engineers... And the Engineers Association told you those buildings should have been condemned because they were left to being weathered for over a decade. These buildings have been almost two, three decades. These buildings have been there since the early 80s. But we refurbished them. And after we refurbished them, we give it to them. We pay all their utilities for them, right? The table tennis board is still there. The pool table is still there. The salad bar is still there. The workers aren't so much there. Less than 40 that are still there. And they know they're going home. And they have the correspondence. If you know anybody that's still working at Ojo Labs, ask them if I'm lying. Whether, they, whether they're going home to Grace or Larisus or Miku, wherever they're going or they're working in terms of Ojo Labs, ask them if they're renting an apartment in Labria and they're working. If they do not know, Ojo is going to Grenada. And they are just holding on. They are just waiting. Because, hey, Shasne, that rabbit, that one did everything for us already. So, if he pain, we'll just hold on, cool out. It's not like it's a, it's a tropical climate. We're going from St. Lucia to Grenada. And we'll just cool out there. And the day he calls elections, he dissolves parliament, July 25th. Go to the polls, August. And so from there, whatever, who, who can say anything? Because St. Lucians are proving, and that's what the revolution has to change, that they can only stay there and wait and do nothing and hope that he calls elections and hope that enough St. Lucian's eyes are open. Our St. Lucia. Our. I am sad, honestly, because the worst part is, why this guy, and I just keep asking myself the question, why didn't they just do their job? You know, they tell you the shortest distance between a, a two points is a straight line. Why couldn't they just do their job? If Shastney had just kept the projects that were already there, 
finish the Sufra Square, the, the, the highway from Shock to Grosley, that's a hundred, over $150 million, $36 million for the roads in the south, Vijay and all these places. You had a hotel in Sabusha. You had an actual hotel in Canals. Because even as you speak in, Canals has collapsed as a project, but the people own the real estate now, so they have Galaxy Real Estate. And much like what Tewa King is doing in terms of selling land, Galaxy is also going to be selling the Canals land. And all of that, in all of that, people still taking it and hoping for an election. That can't be right. We have a call. Good afternoon, caller. Good afternoon, Christopher. Good afternoon. It is certain that somebody in St. Lucia has shares in Ojolaus because the same way that you have done research, somebody should have done due diligence to find out about Ojo Labs and how long ago or how recently that business came into operation. So in as much as we're looking at it, okay, St. Lucia is paying, we're paying, we're paying, and we're like in St. Lucia is not benefiting. Somebody, as you rightly said, a minister or the prime minister, somebody has shares and is benefiting. And now that this is going to be something that will be investigated, then they're moving on to Grenada, who may not again do due diligence and research and whatever and will be used the same way. When I listen to this clown on a Tuesday night doing, you know, some kind of PR for the oh, president. You mean, you mean Nobas, the Bofest man? Yes. Okay. He, he, he contradicts himself so much, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I was listening to him talking about Cabot Links, Cabot Links. Oh, they're in the top ten golf courses and you know, these people, are, they, they, they're doing well. And they, they, if they are doing so well, why couldn't they come with their own finances to start this golf course in St. Lucia? Why is it that all of the times it's our monies that have to be invested or used to start for an investor who's coming from overseas? There's a group of young persons from the diaspora who's coming into St. Lucia. I want to know if they asked the prime minister to start a business to give them some funds if he will be so willing, if he's still there, sure. because I'm sure he will not be so willing to give our St. Lucian young people coming to St. Lucia to start a business that amount of money, even if their business is as young as Cabot Links and Ojo Labs. So I am certain, from, and from very early I kept saying that, there must be some greater interest in Ojo Labs for this administration to be pumping in so much money into a new entity in St. Lucia. Somebody or some persons must have shares in that mm. business. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carl. Well said. Ojo Labs came around in 2012. The previous company was Yodel. The lawyer for Yodel was the Prime Minister's wife. Nobody has ever disclosed any shares or any holding that the government or people of St. Lucia have in Ojo, any stake or any binding agreement with Ojo Labs. And I'm telling you now, they are leaving St. Lucia the day after Chastney wins the election. They are leaving St. Lucia and they are going over to Grenada. And that $1.1 million, whatever they get out of that, is just to tell them, just hold on, Nasa. I know you're raising all kinds of money in the United States, but just hold on. And we are sitting down accepting these things. Things that we would not accept if it were Kenny Anthony. Things we would not accept if it was Stevenson King. Things we would not accept even if it was Sir John Compton himself. But we're accepting it. We'll accept it. 
Good afternoon, caller. Hi, Christopher. Hi. I have two questions. Mm -hmm. I would like to know whether the word investor means something different in St. Lucia, hmm. or is it the same meaning that I know that investor means? Because I'm confused as to why the word investor means that you bring in your own money. That's what I, that's that's what what, I believe. That's what I is. thought it was, too. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. But I'm confused as to why in St. Lucia investors are not investing. Our country is investing in investors, so um, my brain cannot understand. So maybe you can clarify. You know what I'll tell you? I, I had the, the leader of the opposition did make a statement saying the prime minister needs to understand investor means somebody comes with their own resources. And even if you facilitate them with some sort of concessions or something, the point is they are bringing, they are bringing something to the table. But let's look like the lady before you called and said about Cabot. Cabot is from Nova Scotia. The lands that were in receivership in Cap Estate were held by Bank of Nova Scotia, Scotia Bank. And Scotia Bank did not want to work with Cabot so that Cabot could buy the lands directly from them. Whatever Cabot, however good it was, we had to take money from the Prime Minister, invited them and invited Anthony Isaac and, like he said, advised him to speak with Cabot about taking our pensioners' money and our future generations' money and taking $30 million and giving it to them. Now, you know another thing again. Um, you know some of the workers that are receiving the money from NIC mm -hmm. do not understand that the money that they are receiving is their own money. No, exactly. They believe that is just money the government is giving them, you know. Yeah. And they're arguing with people who are trying to explain to them, hey, this is your money. You put this money there. Every month, money is being deducted from your salary. Mm-hmm. And it's being given back to you right now. It's your own money. Uh, but they don't see it that way. The equivalent of one year's earnings of the NIC, a full year's earnings of the NIC, is what is being lost here. And remember, the NIC will be, will be in trouble by the year 2050. So now you can say they'll be in trouble by the year 2049. And you see, that's the, that's the brilliance of the Shasnik conmanship. People are actually being forced to help themselves after the taxpayers' money has gone to the government and the government will not give them stimulus. And yet people will still find a way to, pr to somewhat prop up and boast about an asinine government. Well, maybe I went to school on a Sunday and everybody else went to school on a weekday, so maybe that's why I don't understand. No, caller. The problem is you have a counterintuitive government. <laughs> Boastfully so. Thank you very much. No problem. I don't know, we'll try to take one more caller, but I myself, I'm so, I mean, you get so pissed off, you get frustrated, people just lying in your face over and over and over, telling you what you see, know and feel is not what you see, know and feel. Good afternoon, you are last caller. Yes, Christopher, I was listening to you from time you was, I listened to you from time you was on, um, thing, um, next side. Are you on choice, him, um, yes. Politically in incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I can see, like, like people not seeing, like, the way things are running now. They, more and more things getting harder and harder and harder. And, like, real, oh, yesterday you had a prayer. I want to hear it again. If I can get a link to get that prayer, then that's <laughs> the prayer or something, so I'll call it. But let me ask you a question, caller. In your community, what area are you from? 
I'm from Castri South. You're in Castri South, so that's like Bexor, Labi. There is no up the moon. Okay, on the moon. Let yes, me ask you that. You I, have I friend... always try to get you when I try to get, when I can you get have... you, but have... but you have friends and you have family and you walk around, you see people. Are you uh, not seeing it on the ground that people are hurting? You can see it everywhere. You can feel it because when they arrest your airline, I I rallied against that nice puppy show. You check it. You 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 one of the greatest people that that come and and go against that that prime minister. And you see, if that man win again, airline, I'm moving to Lucia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving Lucia because I don't see nothing good Diamond doing. All them investor thing, looking for investor, all different kind of thing. Well, I one of the things, that. one of the things I, people haven't noticed is, if you if you know the business com- community, they'll tell you there have been a lot of legitimate investors who have had meetings with these guys, and they say, ah, these guys are full of shit. I am coming down here. A majority of them fellas is full of shit. Nylon, yep. I work, I work more under, I get more step and thing under Flubbo, but that will not make me make that income. Even at today, this today I was calling people and telling people I'll make everybody vote. Everybody, all my partners, because I'm a young person, I'm in my early 30s. I trying to make everybody, everybody I know to make, to, you check it, go rally against them and make everything run. Because I don't understand young people these days, they don't want to vote, they don't want to do nothing. Like, well, young people traditionally don't vote. But my thing is, I don't believe in telling people who to vote for. What I believe is you give people the evidence as you see it. If they disagree, you have documents, you have video of the person saying the thing. If after that they don't believe you, then you realize there's nothing you can do. And, and the thing is, uh, remember when they were in power, they never agree in documents. They always say, they always say um, what they come in there, like false thing or something, so they used to say. Yes, I just watch it on the TV. I'm, I'm, I'm always keeping up to it. As a young person, my early 30s, how, how, how is that? How can we change that about St. Lucia? Each one has to reach one. What St. Lucians need to do is to find common ground. There are things we agree on. There are things that we knew. The Jazz Festival, it took us a while to get used to it. But it was working. It was working. And the spin-offs from it were working. Building an apartment after you, after you take your mortgage should not be something government. You don't could me, you build your wall, you get your plan, you put your apartment, you're upsetting your mortgage, you're building yourself, you're building your family, and they want to come and, and tell you they're going to tell you $100,000 fine and four years in jail or both. These kinds you're talking of things about are good Just now you have to pay for dong sessions and people come and stay down there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Kola. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. <laughs> but what, you know, just now, I want you to, oh, play, okay. I want you to play that prayer or something. Because <laughs> only really I have something else I have to play first. <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll, but I'll try I, I want you to read the, read the prayer, please. Yeah. <laughs> please, please. Thank you, I like that prayer. I want to like record it on my phone, <laughs> and I'll post it on Facebook. I want to it, please. If I can't can. do it right now. I have something else lined up. But thank okay, you. Thank right. you very all much. All right, thank you. Okay, folks, this is the end of my time, and I normally try to play at least a clip. Oh, I have one more call. Okay, let's try and take fit in that one more caller. Good afternoon, caller. Oh, they hung up? Okay. Folks... I normally end with a short clip. Sometimes it's related to what we're talking about. Other times, not at all. This time, I wanted to send a special shout-out to Edmund Estefan. I have often questioned, and I intend to go into Denry to find out why people have put him as a three-term MP, what his achievements have been besides malapropism. And he has a message for the youth. 
which I find absolutely outstanding. Apart from attacking the opposition yesterday and making sure that every time he made an attack, he would look over at the Prime Minister to see if he was getting approval, either the Prime Minister or Stevenson King, but that direction, very focused. He had a message for the youth. It's not short, it's about two minutes, maybe three. But I honestly, I could not believe what was said. So, have a good weekend, folks. And to Edmund Estefan, you have definitely shown your worth in the House of Assembly. So why would you look the other side? Why does it make sense for you to listen to RF and all the noise that he's making in all the communities? Why? persons out there making noise and believe they can trick the young people of St. Lucia into following them and to create anarchy on, in, in this island. That's all they want to do. Destroy the fabric of our society. I am not boastful. The opposite of boastful is bashful. Today I'm just giving you a little information. I consider, when I considered my, my presentation today, I said I said, Edmund, you know, this is an informative presentation. You will be telling solutions under young people of our government's achievement. Because look at what they're trying to do to you out there. They tell you we are doing nothing for you. And they tell you they have all the answers. Which answers do they have? But they have a track record. Go and look at the track record. Take a good look at the track record and then you realize you have to stay home with this government, the government of the United Workers Party in this first round and there will be more, many more rounds to come and talk to our young people on island talk to them talk to our young people on island and find out all the programs that are implemented to enhance their livelihood so you think because COVID came, try to destroy our economy. It's time to bring you back in government. For what? That's the next question. For what? Which is the same question as why? Stop it. I said stop it. So Mr. Speaker, why would a young person in St. Lucia want to trade this for nothing. Why? So you must always ask yourself, why? Ask yourself, young person, why? Why must I do that? Why am I being tricked to follow the other side? Why is there that considered effort to pull me into the destructive ranks? Why? Ask yourself why. And the answer is staring you right in the face. Look at what we are doing in this country. The opposition is leading our people in this country. Come on. Who's going to trade that for what we are doing on this side of the house? Who's going to trade that? Which young person is stupid enough in St. Lucia who's naive enough to believe that the opposition can do better for them? Which one? Which young person? Come on, young people. Open your eyes. Listen to your elders.
The opinions expressed on this TV program by the hosts, co-hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates.